We are gods. Why the fuck do we need a president? Hollywood is dead. I shot her in the back seat of my car. She spread into a million pieces. Decentralization. Our body is the altar. Our guides are within. Slay the judge to become the star. Twinkle. Tangle me in the sun's lullaby. The sacred clown birth the reoccurring mother wound, a fistful of immigrant freedom, whisper breaking. Reveal the map to the gibbet through the church. Protection is the horror. Play with me in the mirror, levitating on lust. The ghost of what was. A kaleidoscope to the Amina Mundi. The all, the nothing. The gods aren't dead. The president is a figment in your head. Bathe us in yellow and gold. Worship and praise the body. For it is our altar. Our altar. Welcome to Horror Pod. On this episode, I talk with the amazing master of imagination, Noah Lampert. We recorded this episode right before the election, and it was still Mars and Mercury and retrograde. So we lost the beginning of the episode and we lost the end of the episode. So you guys get to jump in right when it gets juicy in the middle. And thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoy it. Mwah. talking about how our internal states are reflections on the external, that everything we're experiencing right now really feels like the collective conscious in the collective unconscious. But I like what you said about how you can find beauty even in the death. And a lot of us have been experiencing extreme internal deaths. Do you feel like you've experienced any deaths or rebirths lately? Uh, yes. I mean, yeah. Affirmative, yes. Also, I'll point out a really weird synchronicity. Something that happened to my life 
um, when a death process is underway, very rarely with um, physical death attributes, but like a psychic death and a rebirth process is a shitload of flies. Actual flies will start being like, I remember this happened in my garage. It happened one time, you know, outside. There's two fucking flies in my house. There's never been any flies. And today I noticed them and it's just like, yeah, there's a constant process of death going on for us all of the time. It's when there's really something we're ready to transcend, like for real, like a real deep, whether it's a mother wound, it's usually a mother wound thing. I think that's like the best thing I've heard recently too, is that mother wound thing. It rings so true just in terms of like the imbalance that can be created from that and the attachment and avoiding things that can come from and emanate from that. But we do seek this union and I think the way we achieve that is recognizing that like we balance our own states internally. That's like the beauty of like being whatever we call a human being, whatever this weird dance is right now that we're doing. We always have that ability to use that kind of sense of I amness, whatever you want to call that. I mean, people call it God, people call it intuition, whatever you want to call it, whatever you conceive of it as. That's the creative force. And as long as you remember that and experiment with it, you usually get, you you don't usually, you always get the results that you believe you'll get. And that's like, I think there's a flexibility that's happening now. And a lot of what's dying is like this rigid attachment to senses of self. Like the readings I gave today, every day there's like a theme. I'm sure you get this with your readings. Like there seems to be a theme for each day. It's so fucking weird. I'm like, okay, I guess totally. maybe it's my theme playing out through other people, whatever. I notice what it is and identity crisis is the theme for today so far people are really bumping up against like what they created for themselves where it's not satisfying and like what to do and that typically feels like is limitation restriction um you know being stuck not knowing what to do and like if you reinforce and go what do i need to do to fix that you're just reinforcing the thing as a problem because you're like that's what your mind is trying to figure out oh there's this problem how do i fix this oh there's this problem how do i fix it rather than just kind of relaxing and being like oh there's like an infinite possibility of experiences a huge spectrum of anything literally limitless why don't i just select the one that feels best to me internally from a larger dimensional reality which is your consciousness find it perceive it use the technique that i gave at the beginning of this just do that and see if it works. That's the only thing. There's literally nothing else. There's no book to buy. There's no fucking thing to see. There's no like lecture. It's just like try that out and see what happens to your world. And shit starts to die. Your world starts to crumble because how is the person who didn't believe that going to coexist with the person who believed that's possible? And that's, you know, its own little death dance and that's what's happening in reality. People are just letting it crumble away and they're either panicking or being like, oh yeah, finally. Final. Yeah, I think whenever we manifest, we we must, before we manifest, like to me, one of the biggest parts of manifesting is asking, what can I let go of first? What yeah. internally has to die within my identity for a new identity to be formed? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like evolve or die constantly. Yeah, yeah. And whenever we manifest something new, no matter what it is, a part of our identity will shed away and a part of our identity will be reborn. 
Yeah. It doesn't stop. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. It doesn't stop. You better, I mean, <laughs> it's just something that is a natural part of being here and perceiving time and space the way we do. So you might as well just get on board with it. It seems to be an eternal universal truth. And it's cool. That's fucking cool. That's the way truly to look at it. Not because it's like, oh, well, you know, you could just look at it as cool because you could look at it anyway. It's like, no, this is genuinely a pretty cool thing that we found here. This metaphor of life and death and resurrection is truly this reflective kind of like allegory or metaphor for us remembering that like, yeah, we're here we get to create what we want. Because here's what happens. When you really start baselining most of the time to like a very empowered, creative, balanced state, what do you think your world starts reflecting back to you? All of that. All of that. No matter what's going on objectively. Like, listen, out in the world, I have eyes. I can see there are people suffering out there outside of my immediate field of vision. But I can tell you the moment you start to stabilize yourself, I found this for me, Everyone around you, you create a little vortex of everyone at least feeling better. They seem to be doing better. And then when you realize like, oh my God, if my conception of a person is that they're doing well, does that actually make them do well? Does good things start to happen to them? Start playing around with that. And there's like a, it's an endless kind of uh, possibility spectrum. It just always to me, the, the timeline I'm moving through while I'm physically alive or just like as a soul alive is the best one and i just accept that i just accept it doesn't mean i'm immune from suffering at all times it just means i accept that this is the best one so it's like just gonna do the shit that feels best yeah for me like with this mother wound thing recently part of the mother wound for me i get into this loop where i start feeling really isolated Mm -hmm. and alone and i think that something interesting about what's happening on our external reality that's kind of trying it's putting it's making effort well making effort it's putting effort into keeping us isolated from each other some people are breaking the rules and realizing rules are fake and they're still gathering and then some people are feeling like oh fuck part of my identity is being a good person and being a good person means following these rules no it doesn't never does but we're taught that since we're little like kindergarten it's like these are the 12 rules for the day and if you follow them you're a good girl if you don't follow them you're a bad girl and that good cop bad cop is like a still a loop in so much of our identity i know for me it is like yeah i mean i'm not gonna lie it definitely rears its head but at the end of the day you and i both know it's just like not true it's just not how shit is like everyone falls into something that at one point they would have judged as bad or good before and they would have found themselves on this literally is like this is what rocks people, I think, as much as anything, because like you feel like you're flip flopping or you're losing your perspective because then it just shows you the malleability, malleability of everything in duality. That's easy to say. But basically, like this, they're just perspectives. And the more rounded and more awareness you have, the better you can see the different perspectives. And then like, you know, good and bad. 
become more relative. Most people have this fear also if they just kind of let themselves go for what they really love or want to experience that like they're just going to become these like depraved, reckless, like fucking animals. And it's like, that's, <laughs> it doesn't happen. It yeah. doesn't like people are already doing that. Don't worry about it. There's people who are acting that out and they're not thinking about it. Trust me. It's probably far more instinctual than like thinking that you're going to like devolve into like breaking bad. Like as soon as you like do something <laughs> like that you think is morally not okay. So right. and that, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. So I think part of, these stricter rules that are coming into place right now, or at least it feels like right now, is to teach us that we can break rules. Some people have lived their life being very rigid with themselves, and they have their sense of self formed around rigidity. In my readings, I try to tell people, like, even with meditation, don't be rigid. As soon as we start being rigid within our bodies, we create tension. We tighten up. You're breakable, too, then. It's not a solid. It's yeah. not. It's not what people think. There's a way to be strong and not rigid. Rigid and, like, too, standing up too straight is, like, you can be broken like that. And truthfully, you're no one's ever really breakable. Like, you'll just break what's not real. But, um yeah rigidity is it's usually for me unbalanced masculine energy is what it is it's like a protective security it's a defensive thing it's usually like an overcompensation for something and it's it's a natural response you know when like people get tense they tense up they get rigid it's like a it's totally like an autonomic response on a certain level but um it's also like i I like those signs like if i notice i'm getting like defensive or like really angry about like that's like a sign it's like whoa buddy it's like there's something going on here so at least it can be a clue into like a deeper energy but yeah rigidity will get you burnt over time yeah but i think there's something so fun right now for me to observe the people who are breaking rules right now, whatever that rule may be, it's not like I'm advocating for a certain group of people to break a certain rule, but for people to break a rule teaches them that they are the main character in their video game and they actually yeah. don't have to play by the rules of another person's video game. We're That's all, true. we're all in our own video game right now. But there, for me, one thing I learned at the beginning of the pandemic is for that I need to stop going into other people's fucking video games and assuming that I know some of the rules for them or even assuming that I should play by their rules. It starts fucking up their video game and mine. Yeah, and like, you know what I say? Like, maybe this is selfish. Maybe it's just a reflection of who I am deep down. I was like this as a kid. I want to play the best video game for me. You know what I mean? I kind of know what that game is. And if someone else wants to come play my video game, that's cool. I'm happy engaging with other people's video games to a point. But if their video games aren't like everyone's good, everyone's going to have like enough, everyone's going to feel the way they should feel like in a positive sense, not gating themselves from emotions like that that becomes a broader video game that I think more people play with. So I just got this VR thing, this Oculus Quest. Oh, yeah. This shit is, oh, my God. This shit is such another world. And you can kind of see it as a metaphor for how we're, like, co- connected on a collective consciousness way. 
And when you just start resonating at a frequency of like contentment, fulfillment, just baselining there, you don't have to stay there all the time. That's kind of psychopathic, like in certain situations, but just like baselining to like feeling good about your life, where you are, that you're in the right place at the right time with the right people. Like not only will external reality feed you that, so it won't be like this fake thing you're trying to do, but like you'll recognize you're in a much better position to create like the things you really want to create in the world, like harmony, balance, love, like meta themes that can be expressed in any number of ways, creatively or like functionally, socially, whatever. But that's like, I that's the new world. That's where we're moving towards. But what this does require, and I'm sure you know this, I've heard you say it's shadow witch stuff, like a lot of this stuff inside of us that runs behaviors that really are just based on fears or trauma or insecurity like it needs to come out and it needs to be dealt with so making that commitment that like i am going to deal with this stuff and then recognizing it's probably not going to be comfortable sometimes like you know it's it's okay that's what's needed though like you actually have to make that commitment and then when it comes out that's the re resurrection that's like the campbell myth you know, monad, you know, cycle where you go around and you're resurrected and going through all the trials and tribulations. And that's cool. That's what I also ultimately just default to is that it's cool and I'm grateful and appreciative for it. And that seems to make the, my experience of it good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, for me, when I create, it usually is a place of darkness from where yeah. I'm creating. Like that's cool. It's cool, but it's also a little fucked up depending on how you look at it. Like yeah. I, I create, I write the best things when I go inside myself and rip open a wound. And to me, that's how, what I feel like you're talking about is homeostasis, like this baseline of like equilibrium peace. And, but for me, the only way I know how to get there is to get my darkness out of my body. Yeah, whatever floats your boat. Everyone has to do that too. There is a purge. We're in the purge for sure. So like, I don't want to negate that, that you just like invoke this feeling and, and specifically by invoking a pe feeling of peace, you're actually expelling like the demons and other things that like prevent that. Like that is a natural part of that process. Yeah. Um, have you ever like, you have little toddlers, right? Babies? I have a, I have a, um a four-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, yeah. So they throw fits sometimes, right? Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> Scream, yell, cry, throw themselves on the floor. They do. This what is a thing that... What is their state after they do that? You know, I, I've found as a parent, also it's a lot up to like your reaction and what they're reflecting back, um, what you're reflecting back to them. Usually, like... I, I, I tend to take the approach in most situations where that's actually going on. Like they're, they're freaking out for no reason. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's really well, not anything to freak out. I understand from their perspective, it is like a very serious emotional thing. So what I try to do is without like making them feel bad is just keep the environment light enough that they can process what they need to process you know, internalize what they want to deal with later if that's what they want to do, but just move through whatever that is. And then it usually seems pretty cathartic for them and they're in their, this kind of like more relaxed state, at right. least with my kids. But I mean, you know, right. I remember no, myself. I, yeah. fe I feel like that's almost 
every kid I've taken care of, they, I don't think it's mental. So I don't think they're like, oh my God, I didn't get macaroni and cheese for lunch today. Totally. It's instinctual. So I think all of our bodies are constantly picking up on different frequencies, different vibrations. And I believe we're all psychic. And I believe most of us are empathetic but that we're not taught about our empathy or our psychic powers. So we're constantly taking on other people's bodily emotions. We're taking on frequencies from our feet, from sound. And I think all of us need to throw fits. I don't think that it has to be on each other necessarily. No, don't don't project it. Don't project it. I don't think it, and it, you might sometimes, but, uh, And I don't think it necessarily needs to be violent, but sometimes it might be violent. But I think we are all toddlers who need to scream and get out this constant stimulus, this constant psychic energy we're getting. And once a toddler has a tantrum, nine times out of 10 in which I've observed, they fall asleep afterwards. They're in a calm, sedated state. Exactly. I find peace when I get the darkness out of my body. You want to rage it out. I like it. I flex with it. But sometimes it's not rage it out. Sometimes it's like cry or write a poem. Crying is my favorite. Crying is my favorite get it out modality. I've realized this now as a 37-year-old man that that is hands down my preferred modality for processing emotional shadow material. It's yeah. great. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And for me, so much of this isn't about what it's in my head or what I'm thinking, but feeling. So yeah. like if I'm feeling darkness, like I was feeling some darkness yesterday and we had a huge snowstorm where I am, one of our first snowstorms. And I just went out in the fucking snow barefoot and I let Whoa. my feel self feel like the intensity of the fucking cold. And in a way that like froze some of my shit, like my emotions mm in me to allow me to get to that space of equilibrium of peace to have like a it cooled me down a lot of us have a ton Mm. of fire and passion and i think so many so many of us feel a little stuck at home right now so the artists the creators are bottling up a lot of their internal fire right now yeah some of us are getting too cold and some of us are getting too hot. And I think just on the physical level, we have to think about our bodily temperature to even find the state of peace. Like Maslow's hierarchy, I feel like a lot of us aren't even doing the basic things like drinking enough water, making sure our temperature is okay. Like pay attention to having cold feet right now. Having cold feet is a messenger. Sometimes when I do readings, people call me and they're like, I can't hear my guides. How do I find my guides? Yeah. And I'm like, everything is your guide. Totally. You you were talking about the flies kind of swarming around. They're your messengers right now. 100%. They're your 100%. teachers. Your feet, Everything is. Your feet. A lot of us feel energy through our feet. We can be psychic through our feet. 
our physically our feet block off stimulus and protect us from all the stimulus and the shock of the earth and that's if fucking cool yeah and if our feet are really cold it's kind of telling us we have some internal doubt some internal things we're worried about like even the saying getting cold feet like wanting to back out mm, that's smart yeah and i just think every part of our body if you get cold hands it's saying that you're like a creator our hands are messengers of what we create and if your hands are getting cold a lot heat them up and it will help you be more creative and i that correlation between body and mental emotional psychological spiritual states is like it's so good like there's a reason that like tony robbins is like a freaking billionaire and it's because he definitely if anything clued in on like the relationship between your physical state of warmth and cold relative oh, yeah. to like performance it's so it's I like the one that's all you that. need to know that's all you need to know that's the you could turn that into a billion dollars if you want to take that premise it's true because it's such a powerful way yeah, of I never engaging thought with of the world tony yeah. robbins that way but yeah. he does he like makes people walk on hot coals right yeah <laughs> he warms Freezes, their he feet he jumps in the frozen thing he yeah. warms their feet he makes people get into like really like power you know like he jumps on his trampoline and shit he's a he's tony robbins is his own weird reality that is effective because he's taking principles that you're talking about that using your body as like a tool and like a temple like it houses your consciousness if anything honor it for that reason and when i say honor it like i just want like this is maybe not popular opinion for a lot of people but like when i have the impulse to go eat McDonald's, I will eat McDonald's. I'm not going to fight with myself and be, and guess what? After a while, trust me, you eat McDonald's enough times. You're like, yeah, I don't really want it. It's you, you'll eventually just be like, this is, I'm done. But if you fight anything in your life, if you try to resist it, you're just strengthening what it is. And there is obviously a place for like setting goals, but that's what you do internally. You never have to fight this reality externally. If you find that you're doing that, it's just like, it's not, it's not, worth it is the only way I could say it it's just yeah. not worth it yeah I I don't have kids but I've taken care of a lot of kids in my day and someone asked me the other day well what would you do if your kid was like having panic attacks over not getting sugar or cookies or treats and I was like I would make those treats accessible to the kid. I would put them low enough so that kid could go get a cookie whenever he wants. And for two days, he's going to have a crazy sugar buzz. But after that, I don't believe that the kid is going to come back and do what <laughs> makes him feel bad in his body. What the kid I'm thinking, is really I'm thinking about <laughs> whether my four-year-old would kill himself. <laughs> if I left him... Like how many boxes of cookies? If it's one, it won't kill him. But if I left like 10 boxes of cookies, I'm wondering if he might kill himself by just eating endless cookies. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't give parents. Like no, I'm not a he, parent. No, he won't. He would never. I think it's pretty good advice too. Like it, I just, it, it's, it's a better way of letting someone self-calibrate. Also, it's placing the trust. Like there are certain things I will not let my four-year-old do. But he's pretty aware of where his limitations are. Are. And like you, there's an awareness you can have. Listen, there are fucking 50 year olds who I don't trust to do certain things. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah. necessarily even a sign of age, but it's 
parenting is really from, from my limited experience thus far it's letting the kid be who they really are and like not interrupting that process and not feeling like if you do something that impacts them emotionally or psychologically which is inevitable it's like you can't not do that it's literally always going to happen just don't freak out about it it's fine it's like when you know if if a baby or a small kid like bumps its head and you go don't you go oh no big deal the baby's fine but if you go oh the baby will start crying it's like that's basically a metaphor for how we are with shit when we realize that like you know yeah shit is uh yeah i when i was growing up i saw so many adults try to prove to the kids that they the kids didn't have power and they and that the adults had the power i remember specifically my mom was like i i brought you into this world lacy and i can take you out of it and it was always like i'm boss you're not i think how we recode that is is teaching kids that they're so fucking powerful and letting them know like their words are powerful, their actions are powerful, their thoughts are powerful, their bodies are powerful and giving them some autonomy within that and freedom within that guidance, of course, but even just sitting down and telling them like you're really powerful, you actually have superpowers you're actually yeah. really smart in these ways or your body's like very strong in these ways. I think we don't get told that when we're little and then we grow up and we become starving for power. Yeah, we don't definitely get told that when most people aren't told that when they're older either. It's right. not something that like comes later. They're like, you're now, you're, oh, you're 90. You're super strong. It's usually like, right. yo, where you go? Where are we going to put you to die? It's like not, it's not the, anything that comes over time. But to me, that's like an internal, like you need to know that you are. Then yeah. you start getting, you will get affirmations and things from external reality that validate that. That's all I know. And if you want love, if you want recognition, give love. Give recognition. Like, that is how the flow really works. And I think because we're starved of power when we're little, we kind of become power hungry as adults. Mm. And no one teaches us to fall in love with each other. We, we're yeah. taught that like we can grow up and have an, a monogamous relationship or maybe get married one day. But what about falling in love with your friends? What yeah. about like telling your friends like you're fucking beautiful today? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God, you sounded so good on that podcast. Or I yeah. love how you wrote that letter or whatever the thing is we don't compliment each other enough. And I think we even see compliments as superficial, but I see compliments as like watering the flower. Yeah, because you feel authentic about it. I mean, that's the main thing. Like a lot of people view compliments as superficial because they either interpret compliments from other people, which may be genuine from the other person as either ingenuine or when they give a compliment, it's not genuine. Like I, I like to think this is how I view myself. I like to think I have 
very good taste. I'm aware in which areas I have more practice and knowledge and skill and what that taste is cultivated from. But if I give someone a compliment, I'm not just saying it. I'm not just like, yeah, I don't say that about everything. So like I, I try to just operate that when people compliment me, like I, I just take it as like a genuine expression of that's awesome. Like that's a reflection of how I feel about myself and that's wonderful. And I think everyone should genuinely feel that way about themselves, that they're worthy of compliments, that they're doing fucking great. I try to tell people who I view as doing great in the world that like you rule, you're doing great. And not just as like a passing thing to say to people, but I'm like, this is a, I'm noticing that this reflection of what you did is fucking awesome. So that's, uh, people should accept that just cause like, why? <laughs> Yeah. What's the alternative? Not. Yeah. Right. That sucks. I think. Yeah. And for me, I feel like it's beyond compliment. Like for me, I struggle with people giving me any love. It like freaks me mm. out. And I have yeah. a bad habit of like hiding. Like mm. you should say you don't, though. I mean, I always say this, like, yeah, just I say know. you had you had. Yeah. I, it's like such a simple thing. But like you can just say you had and then that part of you dies. And then you welcome in the part of you that like is totally cool with accepting love like easily and effortlessly. And then when that starts to happen, you go, holy shit, this is a big problem in my life. What the fuck? Why is this not anymore? And you go through that whole dance. But like, that's why our problems exist because you realize like, oh my God, I can transcend this. I can do this for real. And not in like controlling, I can do it. It's just like, oh yeah. Like I have this power of creation and destruction and sustainment sustainment that's not a word sustaining uh basically this ability to like shape my reality and perspective of it internally and then sure enough always it will be reflected back in this perceived 3d whatever you want to call this place reality and it, the distance is getting shorter and shorter yeah from what i can tell and i yeah. hear that and i don't disagree with it i think you're right but I think for me, when I speak of it, it helps me collapse that timeline. Um, I don't think I'm like currently existing in a state that I'm not accepting love. But by acknowledging that in my video game, I chose a fucked up game. The first like 10 levels were nuts. And that I entered this level where I can sustain love, but part of me being able to sustain love is acknowledging the level where I wasn't. And by acknowledging the level where I wasn't sustaining love, it brings this greater awareness of these previous levels in the video game Mm. that helped me go to the next level. So, So for me, it's like a teacher. Me not being able to accept love is one of my teachers. And Mm. what it taught me was to fucking love more. Um, Before COVID, I was like going out from time to time. I was like doing some underground art performances and we would like go dancing and go to the club after. And I started playing this game. And I don't know, for some reason, I feel like I've told you this before, but we haven't even talked that much. (laughs) So I don't know if I actually have. But I started playing this game 
where when I would see masculines or men who would talk to me at the clubs, I would like look at them in their eyes and sometimes touch their hand or their shoulder. I'd try not to be too creepy about it, but just be like, you are beautiful. And like what it did to have men have a woman tell them they were beautiful at a club, like it just created beauty for all of us. Yeah. And it yeah. and it came from a place where I wasn't like, hey, I'm going to go out and compliment five totally, dudes today. Totally, totally, totally. It came from a place of, I feel fucked up by men. So what do I do to recode that? Oh, I give men love. Yeah. And then I see more love from men. I've been scared of men up till now. Like terrified yeah. of men. Well, in fairness, they're they're very scary. <laughs> I'm not trying to downplay the ineptitude and scariness of men <laughs> over the past but, however many. But they also of years. like aren't scary. And totally, they, of course. But but, but I want to say they also just, have been killing people at school. It's no, it's not for. It's not like you've made an error in judgment for being fearful. It, the the divine masculine being piped in through a lot of men right now is really like, they're just learning. Like I'm saying this as someone who's going through this like basic level emotions that I think women just in linear time have had access to for longer periods of time. And like, that's mind blowing. And I'm sure from like women's perspective that comes with its own nurturing and like acceptance. And I'm from what I'm hearing, that's the aspect of the divine feminine you're really embodying, which is fucking amazing. It's like pro level, elite level shit. Um, This is, yeah, but people, people's awareness of where they are on kind of that like ascension perspective of like, you know, what heals you, what you do to accept and express love, like. I don't know. This is uh, this is um, not something I see everyone pondering or thinking about on a daily basis. It usually comes out through like some distortion or some dissonance in our actual lives. You know what I mean? Like whatever's going on around us. And that usually becomes the trigger for growth, healing, the, the states of feeling great in certain areas, if that's what you desire, right? That's yeah. the thing that I think is important. Yeah. Every there's a different spectrum for what people want. There's no right way to do this. That's super important too. And I so. think whenever you're playing a video game and there's something like a character that's scary or an enemy in it, and it's important to ask ourselves why are they scary right now? Because yeah. everything is a messenger. And I think sometimes like Like, I was um, really abused by men when I was, like, three or four, it started. and Well, in the womb, it started. My dad would beat my mom when she was pregnant. And I I believe I, like, carry that cellular memory from being in my mom's womb. And... I don't see myself as a victim from that, but it's a, but I had to live out the levels of the video game where I was a victim in that to help me level up. But within that, I had to ask why was my dad so scary to my mom? 
And I grew, the first levels of the video game were like, he's a monster, he's a monster. I have to like beat the monster to get to the next level of the video game. And now that I'm at this level, I'm like, oh, he had monsters. Yeah. Oh, he was hurting. The, The scariest kid on the playground is the one who's being hurt the most and totally that, and that hurt our trauma holds the key for our superpowers our trauma is messengers for who we are and not that you have to have trauma to have superpowers some of us just choose that path but I think we can unlock so many codes within our traumas but sometimes we choose a video game where the same character starts popping up in other avatars because we haven't healed the wound. Yeah. And I'm 31 and I'm realizing, fuck, I keep choosing these different avatars that have the monster (laughs) inside of them of my father. But that's just because there's still leveling up I need to do about the wound from my father. And... I don't think we all need to go love the predators. Like, I don't think we have to love who's hurt us necessarily. But a message I got from doing a lot of DMT this summer, which is a little bit different than the message I've been doing, was you don't have to fight anymore, Lacey. Yeah, yeah, you really don't. You really don't. It's the best. Like, surrender in its truest thing is, like, the most powerful thing you can do. Um, Yeah, it's good. But part of the reason I, well, at least what I saw on the DMT trip is like part of the reason I don't have to fight anymore is because other people have chosen that video game of where they're fighting. And it's actually a privilege and a protection. And I can't judge the video games where people are fighting and I can't judge the video yeah. games where people are not fighting. Totally. But like, totally. I, I think like what I'm supposed to do right now is love more. When I'm that's never a bad thing. (laughs) Yeah, I hate it. I sound so love and light right now, Noah. It's freaking Ah, me out a little bit. It's listen. We all calibrate towards each thing. Whenever, rest assured that whenever you're feeling too love and light, if you're doing it authentically, there will be a calibration where, in some people's eyes, maybe even your own at times, you're just like demon devil person, like scorching the earth. You're always playing roles for other people. It's your conception of yourself. Like, I, I like Jessa, like you. There's, I can't stay in the state of love and light, right? There are things, as, as hard as this may be for many people to imagine, there are things I don't speak about publicly on podcasts. Like, there are still things that, like, who knows what, you know, you can't be. I aspire to be the type of person who's, like, always candid about, what I do in my life in an honest way. And I think that's why like a lot of us have podcasts and talk about this shit because like we can talk about very powerful universal metaphysical truths while still being people dealing with duality and polarities of energy, light and dark. So it's like when you're in the love vibe, I mean, fucking ride that baby out. I mean, that's like, that's the one. That's the that's what everyone's talking about. That's the shit that people want to be in. Just don't loot like don't most people like not most people. I've seen enough people, including myself, get lured at times to 
an overly rosy image of what they believe to be you know utopia or like the permanent state and in my experience like when you're ready to go to that place which totally exists and you can live there forever you're not going to be a human being anymore so unless you're like you're really just ready to get off this ship and go somewhere else like you probably have other shit you want to do here so just like follow what you love what you care about and that typically puts you in pretty great places from what i've seen yeah. Just in life. And I feel like with my love, it doesn't look like utopia at all. I I hope one time, like eventually I ascend to like love looking like utopia, but it's not there yet. And I'm like obsessed with this idea of the mother right now yeah. because I think for us all to heal this wound of the masculine, no matter what gender we are, we have to become the mother. Yeah, so totally. there, there's a mother within us all. There's a nurturer within us all and a creator in a, within us all. But as a birth doula, I see that the mother goes through extreme pain for love. <laughs> yeah. The mother, like physical pain. The mother has like extreme protection that can cause anger and rage and that is all from love. The totally. mother's, you know, the mother at the highest form, the divine mother taps into the darkness for the love. And I sort of see myself as like a dark mother right now. I love it. I love it. But not like in a condescending way, like I'm your mother, Noah, but just like. No, 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 no. When I enter it. a room is the dark mother to be able to sit with the darkest monsters that are inside someone and love their monsters. I feel like to love someone's monster, you awake their God. This is probably why we get along so well because this is i've i think i also have a capacity for that as well and like people are often you know surprised because like i just don't i i, I don't like to judge anyone at this point if i'm in the room with them if they're like talking honestly and authentically i've heard crazy shit from people shit review like you should have reported that person to the police probably but it's like you don't that's, I think by letting people acknowledge parts of themselves out in the world and not have someone be like, oh, you're a fucked up person. You're like, you're a piece of shit. That's what a bad person you are. That's like a very powerful service, which I would totally agree. Like it does release the inner kind of divinity from someone because that's what like weighs you down and descends like your level of awareness to something where you are a lower conception of who you really are. Yeah. Fucking a god. Always. Yeah. What does being a god mean to you? Like, what is your sort of definition of that? Because I know some people get really creeped out by the word god or have like their own emotions around it. Yeah. I don't either. But like, what is your definition of god? And do you consider yourself a god? Yeah. When I have a good time, I do. Um, When I. My conception of God, I really like this idea that we as individuals, our own creative, whether you want to call it imagination, whether you want to call it consciousness, awareness, just your sense of I am, whatever you call that, usually people feel it around their heads, can be in your heart, but like, you know, that voice, 
that's God. Just it's cool. It's not like some guy who's talking to you and you got to do it. It's just, just like it's just that's it. That's the creative force. That's if you read all of the things that talk about God, whether it's, you know, pantheism, like mini polytheism, monotheism, they're talking about just that thing in your mind. They're all, all the characters are psychological states that you move through. So for me, I just remember that as like a root level thing. I think that also gives you a bridge from like individualized consciousness, which is like 3D kind of multidimensional sometimes, all the way up to unity consciousness, which is very useful to rest in unity consciousness sometimes because sometimes duality is fucking crazy. And it's like, what the fuck? I got to keep track of all this fucking energy in all these directions. Just zoom up to unity consciousness if you really need to rest. It's good to do that. So God is this ability to truly recognize what you conceive of, what you believe, what you no longer believe is the creative, sustaining, and destructive force of your world. And this is for everyone. This is literally everyone's individual world is what they believe to be true is reflected back to them. That means we now have the joystick in the video game of our life to be like, where would I like to go? Would I even like to stay in this video game? Maybe I want to go to a different video game on a different planet. Like you you basically like void jump to wherever you want in dimensional reality. This requires some semblance <laughs> of stability because you can fucking get lost out there and like jumping around. And I, 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 you know, talk to people sometimes where it seems like they're kind of caught in between um, different realities for themselves. But if you use this tool lovingly, accept that you're a good person, accept that your desires are not some weird fucked up thing, but like actually clues to showing you who you are, and then use like simple ass techniques that you just have to try to either prove or disprove and you just willingly try it and you use this stuff lovingly, like your life gets pretty love filled if that's what you want. But it's always like if you want something that's not love filled, that's a choice. There's no rule here that says you have to navigate towards one state. I've just found for most people I come into contact with in this place, most people want to be fulfilled, content, happy. It doesn't mean they don't. I, I love feeling sad sometimes. I love feeling like isolated and alone sometimes. There's to, just to speak to what you were saying, like there's so much art and creativity in those states. But let me tell you, like, I don't like to jump into those states and live there for six months. I like to dip my toesies in, get what I need to get out of there. And then be like, okay, I think I'm going to go back to a different type of experience of reality just because that's what I like. Toesies. But it is, yeah, just toesies. <laughs> not, not too much. Don't need to be living there too long. But I mean, sometimes you, you, you want to do that. And the whole point of this is, is like, it is our perception of who we are as people is relatively limited. It's not going to last in linear time forever right, at this particular experience of it, once you recognize you have the ability to kind of shape your world based on your feelings and your internal beliefs, um, that's do with it whatever you want, but just use it lovingly and even enough not for yourself. Like, you know what I mean? The way you talk about healing the divine masculine, I think about that, like, just do that for people internally. Imagine people in your life being reflections of like healed, balanced, divine energy, both polarities, and you'll see them. They'll be everywhere. They pop up out of the craziest place. I'm in 
bumblefuck New York. Everyone started popping up. It's crazy. I think we all have the capability to be a healer. Most of us have the capability to be a healer. And we need healers right now. We need the artists, but we also need the healers. And some people are both. But when you offer nurturing to someone, like true nurturing, not necessarily smothering or crossing. No, really just being there. Yeah. Yeah. Nurturing. To nurture is to heal. And when we offer healing to the collective, we, we heal ourselves. I think it's really cool how you describe being a god and like how you can switch video games. So a few months back, there were a lot of people talking about like what god they are. And a lot of the messages I've been getting is on different levels of the video game we represent different gods and they might be truly mythical gods that have existed in history or we just might be the archetype of a god or like a priestess for isis or for an energy of a god and i feel like depending the level of the video game we're at we can morph into different gods and different energies our trauma also teaches us to be really adaptable And when we tap into our higher self, the God we are will adapt to the environment for the greater good. And I believe sometimes the greater good looks like night. Sometimes the greater good looks evil. Like I can look at other people's video games. I'm like, oh shit, that's dark. That's evil. But like, I'm not actually in their video game. And that, that evil tunnel, I still believe is going to the greater good. Always, yeah. But, but, like, my brother at the beginning of COVID was like, I need to work at Target 40 plus hours a week. My brother's disabled. And COVID hit, and I was just like, no, you don't. Like, yeah. you're addicted to suffering. You come yeah. from suffering. We, we weren't raised by parents, so we didn't have this idea of, like, abundance or nurturing so i see it in him and i see it in myself that we can get on loops where we get addicted to our own suffering so i left my video game to come and tell him that he's choosing suffering in his video game and that it's fucking stupid for him to be working at target right now and he's like hey lacy go fuck yourself yeah of course Like, like I, he's like, Target is like my independence right now. Like, I am disabled. And it's like how I make money so I don't have to depend on anyone in our family who have abused me most of my life. And I was like, but you can just change your reality and abundance will flow to you and I'll pay some of your bills right now and it will all be okay. And he's like, no. And not only was he like, no, he was like very upset with me. Yeah, of course. And I was just like... I was like, why isn't he taking my advice? Of course. Why not? Because like from my viewpoint, he was living like the most miserable video game he could. Yeah. But But in his perspective, it's not that. And, And ultimately what everyone individually, well, this is where it gets a little weird. Now, I would say if someone came to me and said that and you could still recognize Maybe maybe like 90% of what he's saying is true, but there's 10% where like this is just a limited belief that he can't transcend. I, I not always, 
But sometimes we'll go through the imaginal effort to be like, all right, well, you know, maybe I'm imagine Lacey's brother like coming into a large sum of money in like a very easy, painless, great, awesome way. And then we'll see what happens. You don't say, oh, then he's going to stop working at Target, but just see, oh, then we'll see what happens because then that's still your video game. He's still a character in your video game. You don't have to leave your game at all. If you leave your game, you're fucked. That's the first way. (laughs) Whenever you leave your game, you don't know what's going on. Unless you like, you you can merge games. You can co-play or people's games. That's totally cool. But like, if you leave your game, you're now in their game. You don't know the, like you said, it's a totally different world. But- you do have control over your world and he's a part of your world to a large extent. And if you do think he could be genuinely more fulfilled without working at Target, just imagine that fulfillment. And if he still works at Target, then you were wrong. No big deal. Yeah. No big deal. And like the beginning of the summer, I was like, oh, I fucked up. Like I shouldn't have acted parental towards him right now. He's an adult. Um, so I like took a step back and I was like, ah, fuck. And he took a step back and starting this week, he got like this really good remote job for the first time nice, in his life. Like nice, he's nice. worked at Target for over 10 years, even though he's been a comedian on Chelsea Handler, like her Chelsea Lately, that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like done these amazing things he's manifested, but it's still we him and I have this loop of the suffering. What I think the fight did the fight we got into was it created tension between us where I learned more about my video game and that I have a issue with like inserting myself to try to protect people I love. Yeah. And when I try to protect people in their video game, I actually become the monster in their video. Yeah. I become the enemy, but that tension planted a seed in him And but he had to go through the tunnel of darkness and of suffering there long enough till he was like, okay, I'm going to tap into my own magic, (laughs) my own spiritual sovereignty, and I'm going to manifest something different without Lacey's fucking perspective because it needs to come from my magic because it's my game. Yeah, I mean, I, I. I personally, I mean, everyone has these characters in their lives who like we think we imagine a better reality. It's up to us to believe that we don't have to do anything to intervene in this world to have that situation improve. That's like really praying. That's like what real prayer is. It's not saying thoughts and prayers. It's not, you know, praying to some deity outside of you, even though that can work if you believe in it, because that's how shit works. But it's really just like imagining, conceiving, how would your brother react if like his life was literally the way he wanted it to be? Who knows what that is? We don't can't figure out the ways and means and specific situations of exactly what he wants, but he can. So you imagine that for him. And then you hear him saying, I'm living the best, like my life is amazing right now. I've never been happier. That's all you have to hear. When you hear that and believe it and accept that as like a larger dimensional world that will pipe down into this reality as an inevitability, that's when this shit, to me, it's what I describe as getting fun. It's just like, that's fun for me. It's like, holy shit. Like we can now actually have people in our life do really well just because we imagine it to be so. Are you fucking kidding me? That's insane. And that's, so far, all I'm saying so far, that's how it's working. And it's directly related to how much you believe it 
and, you know, your persistence in that belief. Right. And we circled back and talked about it this week. And he's like, he's like, Lacey, what you didn't understand is even though I was hurting at Target, it's what I wanted. Like I wanted that and needed that in that moment. And sometimes we want and need things because it's, it's like exercise. It's, it strengthened him in a way, even though he cried after work sometimes, even though he was pissed off about it, it was all part of what was strengthening him. Sounds like life. To the next level. Yeah. Life is target working at target. That sounds about (laughs) right. That sounds about right. Sometimes. And you know what? Sometimes it's probably fucking great. You know what? There's probably days where we would trade some day where we have to do some crazy shit just like going to work for fucking eight hours and that might be the optimal choice. So yeah. When I I have to tell you this part, even though I feel like I'm beating this story to death. No, no, no. um, I was like kind of in a manic state like about my brother when it was happening and I just was something about emotion and feeling our darkness is I think it's important to get into our body about it and not be too much in our head about it. I don't think at this point we have the science or realize that so much of our emotions have to do like with being psychic and taking on other people's shit empathically. So sometimes when people are going through a depression spell or even a manic spell or an anger spell, it's, It's that they're trying to rid their body of what they're taking on psychically from the collective and they're transmuting it. Um, So it's important not to judge ourselves or judge each other. And I know you're not judging. I just feel like I have to say that because I get a lot of readings where people are going through the darkness and and they're just trying to analyze it in their head. But I usually, yeah, 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 go ahead. But when I was like going man- like a little manicky and frantic about my brother working at Target, I was it was like in May, and I was like crying, and I was like, "There are bad things happening in the world right now, Jordan, and yeah, the world is gonna burn." And I'm like, "Targets are gonna be on fire. They're gonna be on fire soon, and I can feel it in my you body." Saw doomsday, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "You're psycho, Lacey. Who's gonna set targets on fire?" And in June, he called me and he was like, you're still crazy, but like, holy shit, targets are literally on fire right now. Yeah. I mean, you see the vision, you see the vision. Did I see the vision or did I collectively manifest it? I don't know. I, uh, I, my view of manifestation at this point is that there's everything exists. And what tunes you to the reality where you experience it here is your belief and conviction that that's the reality you're moving to. So you could say on one level, did I create that? Sure, but it existed already. So it should take the pressure off that you did anything to that affected anyone else's reality. And, you know, yeah, you, you saw it. You saw it because that's how we experience. We build the stuff usually while we're sleeping and in that state. That's That's the main... Thing with like when we're here we're basically useless i don't want to make that sound too bleak it's kind of like a free will versus destiny type thing but like we have our experience of now which is awesome but that's our only experience everything else is in our imagination the past the future 
What we usually say is, okay, well, then now is the only real thing. Sure, it's one of the only real things, but the past and future are also real things. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a conception of what they were because your conception of what those things are comes from somewhere that's actually more real than what we perceive ourselves to be here. That's the main premise. That's like the God thing. That's just like, and that, that cascades up all the way to unity consciousness. But we, if we can experiment with that, idea and start feeling a certain way and using our imaginations as kind of this thing that's unbound by time and space playing around with the past the future all of these things in a playful way in a light way don't be too weird and serious about it but it's fine if you get like that a little bit it's no big deal but if you start playing around with it then you start to see this world is like oh shit i'm just the actor playing out this role you know what I mean? And I guess this is the part of the role where I woke up to that. It's like the Truman Show. That's why people love these like big myths, these Campbell myths, because it is. It's this constant process. This is why Jung is like so popular over the past like 20, 30 years. No one like really fucked with Jung for a long time. Like he got culturally more relevant back in the 2010s and 2000s, but like in the 80s and 90s, like it was a very small group of people doing Jungian analysis and talking about this shit. And then all of a sudden, like his ideas related to the collective unconscious and just how we interact with dreams and precognition and astrology and all these things, people were like, huh, maybe this guy like wasn't. And he himself was like, I was channeling this thing, Philemon. I went, he went crazy, but it was amazing art and he accepted it, still gave analysis to people led his life and that's a model i think that a lot of people aspire to right now because like that's actually what's going on these systems that are rigidly put up that exist right now that are crumbling we don't even need to do anything to make them crumble you can jump on and pile on i do it sometimes with the financial systems why not but like you don't have to do anything they're busted apart like they're totally crumbling and then after you realize that that kind of apocalyptic scenario has happened so what you thought was true is not true anymore it's just like, what do you want to do? What do you want to plant there? You want to plant sharp things that hurt you and make like a cool maze that you have to navigate? That's cool. You want to plant tomatoes? You want to plant weed? Whatever. It's just like, that's the process we are psychically going through in every stitch of time. But we're actually like watching it play out in linear time right now, which to me, again, is very fucking cool. I, I appreciate it quite a bit, which is why I assume I'm alive. Probably why I'm alive. I see the system so much as the matrix and I see the matrix as like, I don't want to say enemy because ultimately it's not, but it's like the thing in, in our collective video game that's preventing us from being a God. And we're trying to like win or beat the matrix to level up. And I see these institutions and systems as the matrix and right now I think so many people are connecting to their own spiritual sovereignty yeah so many people are waking up to the fact that they're a god a creator an autonomous being of their reality and when you wake up as a god the matrix glitches and reacts or starts like the fires start to burn, but like the fires burning is symbolic of growth of new life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. more people that wake up, 
the more the matrix is going to try to fight back until enough of the gods wake up and join together is like my airy fairy woo perspective of it. I just, and so like, I, I agree that this is a process that's likely happening. I think my conception of this is, is like, we all, to the degree that we're all feeling capable, confident, courageous enough, uh, to deal with whatever realities we reflect back at each other as like co-creators or individual creators, as long as we feel confident in those skills, like we're fine, we're totally cool. Like, I don't think it's going to be, it's not like this life or death cosmic battle. I just like try to like teleport. It's like a X-Men thing, like Nightcrawler. I just try to like teleport to the dimension I want to be in. If I have to travel through some other weird dimensions to get there sometimes, whatever, no big deal. But like I'm teleporting constantly to the best timeline and best is subjective. For me, I know what that feels like and I never kind of lose that perspective even when things aren't comfortable or feel dark or feel, you know, kind of... Uh, you know, even just like depressing or sad or just lonely, just accepting is like, oh, this is just part of the best timeline. Cool. And as soon as you accept that, not in defeated kind of like, oh, I'm just accept it. But just like if you accept it for real, I have found you tend to get the proper awareness to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't have to stay there if you don't want to. You yeah. really don't have to. And that to me is like, that's ultimately what I think I try to reaffirm when I'm speaking about this type of stuff because it's what's helped me in almost every scenario in life to date. I'll let, I'll let people know when it stops working. I'll be the first one to be like, no, it's whoops, fuck that up. Right, <laughs> totally. I feel like, to me, I feel like it is life and death. It feels very life and death to me right now, but I think that's because I'm coming from this like dark mother energy and I want the gods to feel supported. I want the divine feminine to feel supported and I want the divine masculine within us all to feel supported. And to me, it feels like to love them is to support them, but that they have to tune in to their power. And yeah. I think the only way for me right now, the only ways and what I'm helping people and holding space for, the only ways to turn into our power is to go to our wounds and yes. read the codes of our wounds because the codes of our wounds have the codes of our powers. So we totally. can, we can recode the wound and that's why, and I know you don't judge people. So I feel really bad about going back to this. Like, let's not no, judge don't people. Feel, don't it. feel bad about it, but don't I feel just, bad about it. It's super important. Yeah. Cause I heard there's like this spiritual idea that if people are like hurting, they're addicted to the hurting or they're choosing that to be the victim no, or no, whatever. But no, I, but no. what I see it as is like, for me personally, I've, I feel like I spent most of my life with duct tape on my mouth. Yeah. And ultimately, I think I chose that role to teach me how to be a healer. But by, by living so long with duct tape on my mouth and not being able to speak my truth, um, I became aware of truth through my body because I couldn't talk. So yeah. sometimes when we can't talk or we can't see each other or we become more isolated, we become more connected to our other superpowers within us. That's true. 
So it helped me tap into my other superpowers and I could feel things through my body. And now that I'm no longer in the levels of the video game where I'm being abused with duct tape on my mouth, I've ripped off the duct tape and I can't stop fucking talking about trauma right now. That's, that's good. That's what people should be talking about. I've found the more I talk about the personal shit that I go through um, publicly and honestly and authentically, the, the higher and more rapid rate of growth there is in my understanding of my own situations that are painful and difficult and dark, but also like it's a way better connective tissue to someone who's not in the immediate state of like, okay, I can like jump to a different state of consciousness. I totally um, honor and like appreciate I this this year, I think I purged not only like personal, like familial, but like ancestral level archetypal energy related to like a lot of shit that happened in my life. And I think like it's cool if you take on that task, just don't let it crush you. Right. That's that to me is like the most important thing. Like, oh, my God. I, yeah. I do, yeah. I don't feel like it's crushing me at all. I feel like it's revolutionizing me and I see it like revolutionizing other people it should. that's that's and, the proper perspective yeah and it's like a resurrection it's a rebirth every time i go into my darker timelines and say this is what my darker timeline is and i'm not avoiding it or resisting it and i can like literally step in the darker timeline and whatever emotion it brings on for me yeah then it's gone it's like gone. It's true. It's, it's, it evaporates. It, yeah. It evaporates. It's there in the way that I like a chapter of a book where I can go back and read the chapter if I want to have a better understanding of this chapter now. But like it is for someone who had duct tape on their mouth, it's like my yeah. fucking power now. And it's what I'm so realizing yeah. is like we have so much shame in our culture about admitting our own pain. I think there's yeah. such an individualistic idea of self in America and a lot of like competition. And in that competition, we're so afraid of looking like victims that we stuff down our pain. And and people are like, well, Lacey, I haven't experienced as much trauma as you. So like, I don't have trauma or pain in my body. And it's like, yeah, you do. You just do. And not that I need to tell people they they do, but like, I'm talking about people who are coming to me who are in pain and they're saying yeah, I'm in pain, yeah. but you know, my parents are really good people. And it's like, yeah, we don't have to make your parents yeah. bad people. Yeah. It's not the goal but, it's not for you to hate your parents yet. Yeah. But there might've been something in your childhood where you didn't feel like a God. And there yeah. might be something in your childhood where that four-year-old is still living inside of you and that four-year-old might have pain about something. And that doesn't mean we have to hate your parents or think your parents are bad. But sometimes yeah. we do have to look at the pain completely and realize, okay, they might have been in pain and feel the pain. Let that four-year-old take the wheel for a second yes. and express so that they don't come in when we're triggered. If we don't give the four-year-old the wheel and let them express what they've needed to express, then when we get triggered in life, the four-year-old grabs the fucking wheel and can drive all over the road and sometimes crashes good, us. 
This is a good analogy, having a four-year-old. It's pretty much the perfect to tie it in. And I think this also underscores that you you do understand the relationship between nurturing and trauma. So yeah. like that's critically important because if you do have the view that trauma is a shameful thing or like something bad or like something to be judged, it's going to be very difficult to approach that you know, in a caring and nurturing way. But if you view it as something like, okay, you know what? Shit happens. You know what I mean? Sometimes you find a baby bird who got a little hurt wing. It just needs some TLC and then it's going to be fine. It can fly off and it's not going to be some doomsday scenario. So like you don't know every time what trauma, when trauma is going to come out, but you should view it as like a, a positive I kind of look at it as like blessings in a weird way. It's not like you want to be like masochistic and seek out trauma all the time, but like it is the greatest propellant towards like a broader awareness of like who you are because like it's so it's like, it really shows you like when you can transcend or work with or integrate trauma like that's, it shows you how powerful you are. It's almost like, I feel like it's function is to do that because it's like such a, a powerful realization moment. Like I know whenever I've transcended truthfully, like just got over some shit that really like ran my life feels fucking great when you recognize that. Like, it's just a very positive feeling. And I think it's one that's accessible, um, as long as people accept that. And it doesn't mean you don't have to go through the shit to get there. It just means it's totally like, it. I, I like that feeling personally. Yeah, I think, so I, I started to say, then I let it drop off a little bit that it feels like life or death right now. So I feel like I should clarify a little bit. It does feel like life or death to me right now. And I think the thing, but what is death? I think when there's death, internally or externally or on the 3d when someone literally dies i think we start learning a lot more truth i think and when i was little i remember when a family member died it's the first time i really experienced death and i didn't have religion in my life so i didn't know about heaven or hell really but then i heard people start talking about heaven when i went to the funeral and I remember, like, I was a weird kid who only used my imagination all the time because I was, like, kind of kept from other kids and being so traumatized. So I just had a crazy imagination. And I remember talking to, like, spirits and being like, what is heaven? What is this? And I, like, distinctively remember it being like, it's truth. It's truth. It's all the truth that we were seeking the answers for on this plane I didn't know the word 3D then so I just used (laughs) earth but like in the 3D it feels like we can easily get in loops of like confusion and confusion the state of confusion is the state of least power if you're a predator you want your prey to be confused and that's when you'll have the most power over them that's true and confusion is just like suffering man because it comes with worry and pain and so like heaven is truth and then I was like okay well what is what is hell and it's like truth they're both the truth and depending on what state we're in or what's happening like heaven and hell are both ultimate truth and we can transcend both but I think 
during this death process in the world, we're watching the systems die. And, and then what is the result of that? We're learning new truths, new truths about the system, new truths about ourselves, new truths about each other. And I think truth is also the rebirth. Again, like we, we shape this place that we live in, right? We, that ultimately our experience of it is exactly what we want when we realize that as true. And so like, I, I don't think I could judge any, I, I gave up the ability to judge anyone I perceive in this world when I accepted kind of God consciousness on any level. Just it's like, you know, it's inconvenient at times because sometimes my perception is people are doing fucking fucked up shit to me sometimes, but you know what? That's my perception. And I found if you change it, guess what? Everything in reality begins to change around. I don't know. I, I constantly am challenged by this. And I also like, I realize like there is this aspect I feel of the divine feminine really trying to root out every single aspect of like shadow of the divine masculine because we need a prepared and balanced divine masculine to kind of withstand what is sure to be like a very powerful kind of matriarchal society that eventually funnels in here. Just my impressions. I don't know that it's going to be like so overt that everyone's going to be like, yeah, we're living in a matriarchal society right now. I just feel like these principles of nurturing, caring, even destruction, even darkness will absolutely be more predominant in how we experience the world. I even look at like viruses as potentially female energy and bacteria as masculine. And it's basically like it, it's, it's fine. It's cool, but you have to be willing to purge and deal with all of your shadow stuff. Like when I say your, I'm talking about like literally everyone. It's the most important thing you can do within a death process, which I do think we're still in. I yeah. do think that is still what's going on. I'm still having flies in here. I, I can tell a death process when I when it's there. But I mean, I I'm also someone who's comfortable, I think, at this point with psychically killing myself and psychically killing versions of other people, um, not in like a malicious way, um, that I I like these times of uncertainty and kind of chaos. They don't they feel like in their proper place for me. I feel the balance no matter what's going on, um, which sometimes gets me in trouble. You know what I mean? I can say yeah. things like I'm, you know, whatever. <laughs> I think you dropped bombs right there. I think you dropped some gold nuggets <laughs> right there. And I think the viruses are protectors of the mother. So I feel like virus is the way Mother Earth protects herself. Totally. And... I don't think we're going to live in a matriarch society. I at least hope not. I think there's dark and imbalances dark, like darkness. There is the dark feminine and I don't want that in control either. I want, I want homeostasis. I mean, equilibrium. The way I would look at it is, is not that. So I, I always, I used to think of like equilibrium as kind of like a perfectly balanced 50, 50 type of energy. What I, my experience has been over the past few months is that sometimes it's more of like there's a different balance appropriate for each time. Sometimes it's 80-20. Sometimes it's 60-40. I do feel that the age we're moving into is one that's harmonious regardless of what energy is more dominant at any given time. I say matriarchal only in the sense that 
whatever system has been in place that has predominantly come from empiricism, looking out into the world, rational, logical, that's what's built most of the systems around us. That shit is totally crumbling. The ideas that intuition, heart space, kind of consciousness precede or have like a direct impact on our physical reality and Mother Earth, that seems to be a more dominant mode of consciousness. And again, my take is that consciousness creates what we perceive as external reality. So that's maybe what I mean by matriarchal energy. I, the systems that evolve, I don't, I don't think it's just going to be like women in charge of them. I just think the energy is going to be probably, it'll be balanced no matter what, but I just feel like there's going to be a natural calibration from what has been overly analytical. It's just like a pendulum, I think, at the end of the day. And I yeah. feel like we're just along for the ride in linear time, which is like just ride the swings and don't freak out. That's <laughs> kind of totally. what it's like. So when I asked you to be on the podcast, I was like, I, I, I crawled into your DMs and I was like, so Noah, uh, will you please be a guest on my podcast? Uh, it's called Horror Pod, and I want to <laughs> talk to you about sex and manifesting and imagination. And you're like, yeah, yeah, sex is cool. <laughs> I'm into it. And then I didn't talk to you about sex at all this whole time, and I don't want to keep you forever. But no, let's talk about sex. I'm always up for a good sex talk. Yeah, I think for me, part of even being the mother. Like, I hate saying that, but like not people's mother, but just like owning that mother energy, even though I'm not physically a mother is tapping into mother energy is creation energy, creation energy to be able to create life is sex energy. And to me, it makes the most sense that as the world is experiencing so much death that we fuck more. (laughs) Well, that's been my experience. So. And and sometimes even harnessing some of the dark energy while we're fucking. Sometimes playing with darker imaginations while we're fucking to transmute some of that emotion. Sometimes yep. for me, I really want to be gentle and nurturing to masculine right now. Like yeah. I want to like make love to the masculine. Um, not all of them. Um, but <laughs> currently it's one, um, yeah, sure, sure. but figuratively and maybe literally like be slower about it, be more nurturing about it. Yeah. Yeah. Part of That's... the masculine being so scary is just like, they're not getting loved. Yeah. Like when we have to search for power or we o- like try to dominate or overpower people, I believe there's like a lack of being really loved always right always so i say like people should fuck and that if if you feel called to kind of harness this idea of the sacred prostitute or the sacred whore if you feel called to that love the masculine awake so i have a lot of people who work in like you know sex what a sex working industry i don't know they're fucking awesome people but there's a lot of people listening to my podcast who are in that field and um it's fucking great these are usually some of the most fulfilled happy content aware people i've come across and almost all of them have the ability to dictate their reality at a certain point and like kind of shape it how they want i i don't think there's anything to be ashamed of 
um, in that role at all. Obviously, I do think sex is a very powerful energy. I think it's like a big catalyst. A lot of people will ask about like literally using the imaginal techniques while like coming either by themselves or with other people. There's a tremendous amount of energy and release and power in the orgasm act itself. If you can do it with another person and hit those states, you know, you can have even more of a reflective amplification power. So I, I love I love sex. I love fucking. It's like one of my favorite things. Like anyone who's ever known me in that way knows that that's true. Um, I just think that the more honest with we are with ourselves about like what satisfies us, the more accepting we are to like actually have that reflected back in our life too. And if that's, you know, being the sacred whore, great. If it's just being, you know, monogamous, great. If it's being polyamorous, it's whatever the fuck you want. There's That's the whole right. thing. Yeah. It's like there's no judgment on like what anyone else wants to do. Then that's when you really get to discover. When you don't have judgment, that's when you actually can discover like what you actually want because you're not going to be running away or going towards something to justify an identity that ultimately isn't that real. Totally. And I think one of the most sacred things things you can do to tap into your sexuality is not have sex so even if you're not having sex you're still carrying sexual energy and creation energy and I know a lot of masculines who like go through periods without masturbating or without fucking to harness their sexuality for their own power for their own creativity and that's tapping into that energy as well, even if you're not going out and fucking. And it's not just masculines, it's women, it's feminines who can choose not to fuck to like really hone their sexual power. And sometimes when we choose not to literally fuck, we can keep that sexual energy in our body and it becomes an attractor. So it will help us manifest Totally. physical it's powerful stuff i mean i truth be told i've never been one to either not be fucking a lot or jacking off a lot it's just <laughs> it's just 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 my vibe but like yeah i mean i do get people talking about the benefits of like holding their energy in that way um does, yeah does sex feel spiritual to you yeah like maybe the most spiritual thing by far that I've experienced that and music are probably the two things that I found the most spiritual in life, sex and music. Those are pretty much the two. What, um, what, like, yeah. how do you harness spirituality in sex? Like, what do you do to make it spiritual? Well, I, in my, my best sex, I am incredibly connected to kind of the timelessness of what's going on, but incredibly present in the body and witnessing that connection as like a cosmic dance um, <clears throat> is like, is one of the coolest things. I also just like, for me, a spiritual activity is just like feeling really good, whether that's like fucking someone or going down on someone or having someone go down on me like that. It's like, that's a spiritual act. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't feel like this is some other thing that I'm doing. I'm just fucking right now. I'm like, this is, I'm like, this is I like that accent. Yeah. (laughs) That's how you, that's how someone says it. Right. Um, But I, I, I really appreciate kind of every aspect of it. I also just find, even if it's not sex, but just like touching a partner, like your level of appreciation for what you're feeling 
and like experiencing, there's a direct correlation to like what that person is feeling. So if you feel like, wow, this is so incredible and amazing, genuinely, they're going to feel that if you really know like what's going on. So sex is just an amplification yeah. of that. And then like, like from a man, just, yeah. And it's an emotional thing too. I mean, I also like, I'm like a very emotional person. So I think that uh, is a big aspect of what goes on. It's a release of energy. I mean, it feels good. I, I, it's the best. I could talk about sex forever. It's like one of so, my favorite things. So what does being an emotional lover look like to you? Or how do you tap into your emotions while fucking? Uh, you just stay present in like your reality without being weird. I don't know how to describe it. I mean, like, just like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, this, this is a really good question, actually. I think for me, it's more just like being, opening your heart. I actually sometimes even visualize like energy coming out of my heart. And then like, you know, I can feel chakras or whirling energies like up and down my body in certain places. Um I don't know. It's like being open, I think, is probably the best way I would put it. I mean, for really good emotional sex. And it doesn't even have to be a certain duration, a certain position, a certain action, a certain intention. Like you can have like really like fucking, you know, depraved, dirty, whatever you want to call it, sex and like be very spiritual and emotional. So it's just being open, I think, at the end of the day. And if you're able to do that, like your sex will be infinitely better. I think that's basically what I've learned. Yeah. Do you ever want sex that's not emotional? I just did a podcast with Ramin yes. <laughs> and we were kind of talking about sex and he's like, Lacey, you're looking at it all wrong. Sometimes fucking is just fucking enough with the emotions. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the answer is yes, but probably not as much as people want to think. I think most of the time it's emotional. Sometimes there's just an energy release or like something that like you just like, like, I got to get it. Like I've known people like that too. Or like, yo, I got to go jack off. I got It's like, whoa, dude, like what's <laughs> control yourself, first of all. But second of all, like I do think that's possible. I just, I, for me, you know, I I've never really looked at it just kind of like as, a f just the physical act with another person because there's just there's so, I, I, I think I'm very like empathic or whatever you want to call it like I really feel people's energy so for me to have to like completely remove that I'm either like drunk in some type of dissociated state or like totally like kind of immune to that aspect of it and then I do agree like there can be just like purely physical things where there was no real emotional resonance there or it's such an unconscious level that like you can't even call it an emotional connection that of course exists everyone has been in that state it's called being drunk I think right so, yeah so. but I like I didn't argue Ramin on this and now I regret it but like my argument is even like in a drunken emotional state, there's emotion or drunk emotionless state. Not conscious perception. That's what I mean. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's what it is. Of course, emotion is the root of all creation. I do believe that. So, But even I, the I person who's like, yo, I need to go jack off to like some porn. Yeah, there's some emotional thing going up. Clear. That's yeah. why I say control yourself. Like try to figure out another <laughs> way to learn the guitar. Totally. Yeah, I like I think even like feminines though can get really scared about like emotional sex. Like I talk to girls all the time who are like, 
I, I just don't want someone to go down on me because I feel like it's too intimate. It's like too emotional. So Oh, well, you're missing out. <laughs> I know. I think that's the saddest thing ever when I hear that because what I hear is that they don't feel safe to receive pleasure. Or like they good. they don't yeah, like it's like they're scared to feel good. They're okay being performers in sex. I think we've been taught to be performative in sex. And I think like the ultimate sex is when we can release and like allow ourselves to feel really good. I know when I like let myself feel really good. Um, I remember in high school, like telling my friends like, oh, I let people eat me out all the time. Why aren't you letting guys eat you out? And they're like, <laughs> Lacey, you're a pillow princess. And they were just saying like, I need to watch more porn and like get more active in what I'm doing. And I'm like, nah, I think just the fact of me like truly experiencing my pleasure heightens the pleasure of my partner. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that sentiment. It's basically what I think creates a really good sexual experience is both people being able to experience that and take it to whatever level they want to go. I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. There are some points where, like, the sex is more kind of just, like, an emotional or just, like, not even emotional, but just, like, you know, getting some energy out. And sometimes it feels like this is cosmically the most divine thing that two people could do. You know what I mean? Like... It varies. I just, I enjoy the act a lot. I make it a priority. (laughs) What are some ways do you think like people who don't feel connected to their emotions could tap in emotionally during sex? I like the visual. I mean, I do like if people are having trouble during sex, write down that like I am sexy I am great at sex. I have great sex. Just write it down physically with the paper, pen and paper. Just see how that goes based on your next sexual encounters. And then after that, if during sex you find yourself in the present moment, just focus on like opening your heart. Try to like make your partner come like they've never come before. Like try to focus there. I guarantee when you do that, when you come, if it's in sync with them, it's going to be the best orgasm you ever felt. And there's not like a limit for that state it's not like a qualitative you know game you're trying to play but like you can keep achieving greater and greater states and if you can even furthermore attach that to not just manifestation but higher states of consciousness and stabilizing those because like what a great time to be grateful and appreciative right after you come your brains out like that's you know you get sex magic that's fun who doesn't like that yeah how do you so i'm asking you really personal questions okay you don't have to answer but like how how do you stay present after sex and like do you have any sort of like after sex rituals um sometimes i do and sometimes i don't i'll cop to that sometimes i'll whip out the phones depending on the context sometimes we'll just stay and like hold each other talk you know, just like be present. I think that's one of my favorite things about my relationship now is that it isn't like an immediately like avoidant, like let's go do something else. Sometimes it is because sometimes you got shit to do, but sometimes it's like a very powerful present. Like we just want to stay in bed and just like be there with each other. So I don't think I do anything specifically. I just like, if I catch myself in a space of like openness and like love, like I try to stay there, you know, without being like, you know, like I have to stay in this state. It just feels good. So they try to stay there. 
Right. You're just kind of organic about it. Yeah. For me, I feel like I, I split off after sex sometimes still. Like, I think like I'm so in it when it's happening. But I think, I believe I'm like, I hate the word psychic, but I think we're psychic. I think all of us are psychic. But for me personally, I'm like very psychic through my body, which I think we all are also. Some of our just are waking up to that now. But sometimes I think I, I, as a feminine, take on so much fucking energy through sex that like my body buzzes afterwards. And it, it's so hard for me to not like peace out after sex. Even when I like really love the person, no, I, like, I get have it. this tendency to just like jump out of bed and like go like out of the That's room. That's totally reasonable too. There's nothing wrong with that. I think something I've been noticing the divine feminine wants is like, space right now and that's for calibration and that's totally fine like there's nothing wrong with that yeah but i like i think it'll be beautiful when i can sit in it more you will don't worry about that i can promise you that everyone that happens it's the best one thing i want to say before you go is that you've helped me more than you know oh that i love that yeah, and it's completely my truth. And I started this podcast off saying I felt a lot of fear around masculine. But like in this last year, I feel like I've leveled up the video game and and have experienced more divine masculine in my realm than I've ever witnessed before. And you're one of those divine masculine. And I feel like you're my friend, even though we've never kicked it before and I've talked to you like a couple of times but I just I believe you're helping the collective by being yourself even if it's controversial sometimes um or especially if it's controversial sometimes but what I what I think is good is that you're holding the space of who you are and by doing that you're healing us all and I think the beautiful part of death is Death can be healing. Birth is healing. Sex is healing. And I think a lot of us are learning how to be healers right now. And I believe you are a healer. Just by you speaking your truth, you've helped me. And then even the fact that you had me on your podcast, Synchronicity, like that helped my life so much. I You hooked me up with some of the coolest readings I've ever done with some of the most amazing healers and artists. And like, and you changed my life doing that. So thank you.
I told you guys it cut off at the end, but you can find my amazing guest, Noah Lampert. You can listen to his podcast, The Synchronicity Pod, and you can find him on Instagram at Noah Lampert. You can also book a reading with him on his website, www.synchpodcast.com. If you want to book a reading with me, go to LaceyFree.com. If you guys have any sort of sex questions, you want to talk more about sex, herbs with sex, natural remedies in sex, orgasm, trauma around sex, book a sex magic reading at LaceyFree.com or I have superpower readings or holographic healing sessions, which I love doing. We now have a Horopod Facebook group, and it seems like it's turning into a place where people can share their vulnerabilities around sex and magic and art. So we already have a few people sharing poems on there and just other sort of taboo sex questions. Um, some of the episodes of Horopod will be very centered around sex, and others like this one with Noah will be more woo and just sort of talking about life. Um, so I like the idea of the Facebook group because I can hear directly from you guys what you want to talk about. And so I'll be doing an episode where I'm addressing questions from the Horopod Facebook group. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love you all. Bye.